Well, we're continuing our series, Ingredients to Successful Living. And I know that when I cook, what I don't do is throw everything in the pot. But there's a step to the process in what I do. So as we're learning about knowing God, what are the next steps to doing that? So let's take a look at this video and see what some people say about what their next steps are. Getting to know God. Hi, my name is David. Hi, my name is Shannon. Hi, I'm Katya. Hi, my name is Scott. My next step in following Christ, I would say, is reading the Bible, getting to know Him. For me, the next step in getting closer to God was water baptism. My next step is to get more involved with the church. My next step is to give God my tithe. What's your next step? That's a good question. You know that every day in life we take next steps in certain things. We eat dinner, the next step is put away our plate. Sometimes we don't, we get lickings. There's next steps in everything we do. We get ready in the morning, the next step is to get into your car. And we're in this series, Ingredients for Successful Living. As, as Pastor Marsha was saying, there's, when we cook, we do different steps when we cook something. And God wants to give us some key ingredients in how we can have a successful life in Him. See, the successful ways in the world and the successful ways in God are sometimes two different things. But we can still have a successful life in this world, living for God. And for some of us, that's what we're trying to find out. How do we live a life that's pleasing to God? And at the same time, how do we get to know this God who is too big for us to comprehend, too big for us to explain, and too big for us to even describe, but yet He's not too big for us to get to know? And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Before we jump into our message, I just want to communicate a, a couple of things. Uh, last week, I talked a little bit about the transition that we're going through and with our staff. And I want to give a little bit more on what's happening. Uh, this past week, uh, some of you know Rico Abadilla. But this past week was his last uh, week with us on staff. And a couple of weeks ago, he came up to me and he said, You know, with what we've been praying and what you asked us to pray for, I, I feel like God is taking me in a different direction. And so he said, but I, I want to do this well. I want to transition well. And so he and I talked and he said, how, do, how would I transition uh, from being on staff and, and maybe God wants to do something else? And so we prayed and, and uh, one of the things that he said was he feels like God is doing something just different in him and his family. And so his last week was on Tuesday. We had a luncheon with him and his wife, Jadina. And it was just a, a great time for us to thank him for the things that he has been able to do while being on staff here. He says, I still love the church. This is my home church. I love it here. I want to stay here and I want to be a part of what God is doing. But he just sees God doing something else in his life. And my heart was grateful that he heard the Lord. You know, my heart is always that people would just hear the Lord and obey him, not necessarily what we want. Because there's certain things we want, but there's things that God would say, here's what's best for you. And so that's what Rico has been able to do. And I'm so proud of him and his family. So when you see him, if you know Rico, just love on him. Pray for him. Uh, at the same time, because some of us, we would know that he's on staff. We would ask him to get certain things or do this or do that. We don't need to do that because he doesn't have the keys to get there. So that's the transitional period for him that he'll be able to enjoy and um, see what God is going to do in the next season of his life. 
So I just wanted to bring that to you as the church. So you can take out your notes and uh, check out your bulletin, uh, open your bulletin, and there's the notes in there. But we're going to be talking about getting to know God. We all want to get to know God. We don't just want to know things about God or, or, or know things about Him, but we want to get to know God. Sometimes we think, I can't get to know God because I'm afraid of Him. I've done some things and I'm not sure He knows. And if He gets to know me, He's going to be disappointed. No, God already knows. No sense hiding from Him. Might as well get to know God. We know people. We know our neighbors. We know our spouses. We know our, our, our children. We know people around us. But I wonder how often we get to know God or how often we invest our time in getting to know God. Heidi and I have, actually we met when I was 12 and she was 13 years old. So we were just little teenagers when we met. Oh, I know, cute. Yeah, 12, 13 years old. Some of you met when you were teenagers too. So that's, that's, that's how long you've been with each other. Heidi and I have been with each other for over 27 years. We've been married for over 20 years. And you may have known your spouse for longer than that or been with your spouse for more years than that. But isn't it true, even though you've been with each other for that long of a time period, isn't it true that you're still getting to know one another? You're still learning about each other. Seasons change and you're still learning about what people or what the other person is going through and how they think and how they behave. There's still things we learn about each other. Now when it comes to God, how much more does it take for us to get to know Him? We may have spent an entire lifetime with someone and we still are getting to know them. But God is just, He's, he's too big for us to comprehend, too big for us to describe, but He's not too big for us to get to know Him. And He does it in such a profound way, a way that's, that we're able to relate to Him. See, because of sin, we're separated from God. Sin is what separated us from the perfect God. But because of sin, that's why life on earth ceases. That's why we pass away. That's why we die because of sin. It deteriorated our bodies and we're no longer in this relationship with God. Therefore, as the Bible says, and it's in your notes, Romans 3, 23, it says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standards. How many of us have sinned? All. Everyone has sinned. Every single person. The person sitting next to you has sinned. The person that, that you're married to has sinned. Every single person has sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standards. And because of this sin, this separation, that's why God sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, so that we would be able to relate to God. That we would be able to have this relationship with God. He came so that He would be able to bridge that gap between the separation that sin gave between man and God. He came to us in human form because God is just too big for us to comprehend, too big for us to describe, but not too big for us to get to know Him. And He did that through the person of Jesus Christ. He sent His one and only Son to die for us. Because the wages of sin, and, and this is what it says in your notes in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through or in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So you can see that God, in all of His wisdom, because sin separated us from Him, came to us in human form through the person of Jesus Christ. But why did it have to be Jesus Christ? Why, why couldn't it be another way? Why did it have to be through His Son? Because isn't it true that all religions lead to God? Does not all the different religions lead to the same God? I mean, what so-and-so believes and what this person believes, doesn't it all lead back to God anyway? It's interesting that people will even say that and think that, but it's not true. You have daytime TV hosts saying that every religion is correct and they all lead back to God. But then if you visit their studio and you try to sneak in the back way, they'll say, no, 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 there's only one way in. You have to pay and come to the front entrance. No, no, there's got to be another way. Can I just sneak in? No, no, no. You have to go through the front. You have to pay. It's interesting that they will say that there's more ways to God than Jesus Christ, but there's only one way into their studio. Interesting. But how can Jesus be the only way then? How does that happen? Because if He was a loving God, then wouldn't He just accept everybody? Well, that's the problem. He does accept everybody. But the problem is, we don't want, some of us don't want the route that He gives. We want to sneak in the back way. That's where we find the security guards. They'll say, nope, you got to go in through the front. Yeah, but I have to pay to get in. That's the only way you can come into our studio. And Jesus paid the price for us to get in the front entrance. First class, all the way. He says, I will die for your sins because that's what separates you from God. Jesus came not to bring religion. He came to build a relationship with us so that we can have a relationship with God. That's how we get to know God. Yeah, but doesn't all religions lead to God? Religion is man's attempt to get to God. That's what religion is. It's the wisdom of man saying, wait a minute, there must be a way to God. Let's figure out a way. And so man will do some things so that a religion is birthed so that we can get to God. That's what the wisdom of man. But the wisdom of God is relationship. That God, in all of His wisdom, said, you can't get to me because of sin. Sin separated you from me. So in God's wisdom, He said, I'm going to... I'm going to go to you, pay the price for your sins with my very own life, pay the perfect sacrifice so that you can come perfected through Jesus Christ. He's the one that stands between God and us. It's Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to many people who have a one-way entrance Makes sense to those that are driving down the wrong way on a one-way road. But for some reason, people fight against that Jesus is the only way. See, religion is our attempt to get to God. Man's attempt with man's wisdom. Relationship is God's attempt to get to man. And He did that through Jesus Christ. He has better wisdom than us. We can only go so far with our wisdom. That's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the way. See, every single person, no matter what background you have, what you believe, what, what sin you've committed, what sin you're in, no matter 
how alone you feel or, or, or how much you judge yourself. Every single person can get to know God. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Don't start with religion. Don't start there. Start with a relationship. A relationship with Jesus Christ. Start there. And you can write that in your first point. If you're taking notes, begin with relationship. Relationship is God's attempt to get to us. That's how much He loves us. That's what He did through Jesus Christ. See, we may all know religion well. We can do the religious things. But we have yet to experience relationship. We can do the religious things, but when it comes to experiencing a relationship, it takes a little more effort. Because it's a relational building process that needs to happen. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, the word beloved, it's a Greek word that means worthy of love. That he's worthy of love. This is a title which God gave to Jesus Christ. That he's worthy of love. It denotes the nearness of his relationship to God and the love of God for him. In other words, God was showing us that it's all about a relationship. Some of you have received Jesus as your Savior and you've accepted him into your life. You've given him your heart. And so you're building your relationship with him. But you have yet to have Him as your Lord. Many of us understand Him as our Savior. We're saved. We call it salvation. We said the prayer. We prayed to Him and He saved us from the pits of hell. And now we have a future with Him for all of eternity in heaven. He saved me. And we're like, I'm saved. But we never make Him our Lord. He stays our Savior through our entire life and we get into heaven by the skin of our teeth. We just kind of like make it there. But I would rather Him be my Lord and Savior. See, Lordship has to do with obedience. When He speaks to us, we obey Him. He doesn't speak to us out of Lordship as authority and say, I don't want you to have fun, so I'm going to take away all of your fun. I want to be your Lord. He says, I want to be your Lord because I want you to enjoy life. Just as parents, when our kids are playing with something sharp, we don't take it away because we're saying, I don't want you to have fun. Give that to me. No, we take it away because we don't want them to poke their eye out. We don't want to, when we see them heading toward the socket and they want to put like something in the socket, we don't give them a spank on their hand because we don't want them to have fun. We know they're not going to have fun once they stick that into the socket, into the plug outlet. It's not going to be fun. So God, in all of his wisdom, he helps us to make decisions. And he's looking at us and he's saying, that decision you're going to make is not going to be fun. Oh, it may seem fun right now to you, but... But once you get electrocuted, that's not going to be fun at all. And so what God does is He gives us instruction. He gives us His Word to help us to know between what is right and what is wrong. He gives us His Spirit to know what is right and what is wrong. Not to take away our fun. He wants us to enjoy life. 
That's why he tells us no. That's why he says no, that's going to be for your harm. I don't have plans for you to harm you. I have plans for you to give you a future and a hope. And sometimes we feel like, oh, God just wants to take away our fun. No, 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 no. He created joy. But He sees so much further than we do. Some of you, you've received Jesus and, and part of the Lordship of Jesus in this obedience thing is, is what we're going to do this afternoon. Water baptism. That that would be your next step after you receive Jesus into your heart. The next step would be water baptism. Now you're letting everyone know that He's my Lord. That I'm doing this out of obedience. Some people would say, but I, I've never gotten baptized, but I've been a Christian for 20 years. If I get baptized and people see me being baptized, they're going to be like, really? All this time you weren't baptized? Listen to the Lord. Now what people are going to say. Because what you're saying to Jesus is that you're my Lord. That's how we get to know God. It's obeying Him, listening to His voice. In John 17, 3, it says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus, whom you have sent. There may be some of you who feel that, well, I've given my life to Him, and I have yet to learn what it means for Him to be my Lord, but I'm willing to try. I want to obey Him. Even though God is too big for us to describe, too big for us to comprehend, He is not too big for us to get to know. We know religion well, but we have yet to experience relationship. In John 1.12 it says, But many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. And you might be thinking, okay, so how do I get to that point? How do I get to the point where I believe in His name? Because I know about Him, but I, I don't really believe in Him yet. I, 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 I hear a little bit about Him. I come to church and I learn, but how do I get to know Him? No, it's found in our next scripture in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if, it's a choice that we need to make, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is, and here's the word, Lord, you can circle it if you need to, is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You can circle that. That's what we call salvation. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Start there. Begin with relationship. That's all God wants. He wants to be in a relationship with us. It's not about us being perfect, because we never will. It's not about us doing the right thing so that God won't get mad at us. He already knows what we're going to do. He just wants a relationship with us. He wants us to grow in Him and to get to know Him. It all begins with relationship. But there's a second key ingredient that will help us. And it's, it's, it's a little bit challenging, but, but I'll explain a little bit more and it, hopefully it will put us at ease. But it's being devoted to His Word and prayer. Be devoted to His Word and prayer. That may be a little bit of a tough one because for some of us we say I can't devote myself because I don't have the time I don't have the energy by the time I come home from work I'm tired and I don't have time to pray when I pray I fall asleep praying so I don't even I, I can't even get to that point plus I don't even understand what I'm reading I don't even know what 
Bible to get? There's so many different translations. Why so many translations? I don't even know which one to get. Find the one that you can understand. The Bible needed to be translated because of the English language. You know, the Hebrew and Greek text that it's originally written in. We need, because of how many words we speak compared to the only 8,000 words in Hebrew or, or Greek, that we needed more words to describe what they use as like the word love. We use love for all kinds of things. We love this, we love that, we love pizza, we love this person. But they use different words to describe different kinds of love. So when it came to translating the Bible, that's why you have different translations. It's so that people can understand. Find the one that fits you the best. You can go to our bookstore and pick one up. But it's getting into His Word. But isn't it interesting, and I think we'll agree on this, before we came to know God, and even still learning about God and getting to know God, isn't it true that we devote ourselves to other things that we still don't know anything about? For instance, let's just say work. When you're first hired and you have to learn certain things, you devote yourself and you study for it. Let's just say you're going to be cashier. You have to learn how to run the register. What happens when there's a problem with a credit card? What happens when you're shortchanged? How do you deal with customer service? you got to learn all that stuff, but you devote yourself. Why? Because that's your job. For some of us, we buy a flat screen TV, we get the remote. We have no idea what the thing does, so we try to learn it by experience. How many of you read the book on the remote control? Raise your hand. I just want to know. Anybody? Run. See? See, that's the problem. We don't even devote ourselves to read a small little pamphlet that says, this means channel up, this means channel down. We try to guess the thing. But the problem comes where we get a DVR, Apple TV, uh, DVD player, surround sound. Now we have like five remote controls. And then we pick it up. Hey, which one is what? I don't know. And then you just get a universal remote control. But do we read the book then? No. We try through experience. But I can tell you this, for those of you who have read the book, you understand. Because you devoted yourself to that 50-page book to read what this thing does. We devote ourselves to many things. But why is it when it comes to God and His Word, it's a struggle? Now here's what it is. And this will let you know that it's your spirit that wants to devote itself to God. We struggle because of our flesh and sinful nature. It doesn't want to invest itself into the Word of God. It doesn't want to. That's why you fight against it. You'll be like, oh, I'm tired, or I don't want to. Or, or you may even feel lazy at times. Your spirit wants to. But your flesh doesn't want to. But I'd say, let's start listening to our spirit because that's how we get to know God. It's through His Word. It's through praying. Some time ago, I I was trying to... uh, I texted my mom, and she's on Oahu. I texted her, and uh, she called me back, and she said, Sheldon, what what is that? I said, oh, it's it's text messaging. Uh, I can text you, and then you can text me back. She goes, I don't know how to do it. I said, easy. All you have to do is... But press the letters that you want, so it's like typing, and then you write back, and then you hit send. She goes, I, I tried to do that, but it doesn't work. I said, no, no, no. All you have to do is, you know, the letters on your phone? Just get that. Now, she upgraded from, like, rotary phone to a cell phone. So that's a big jump. 
So I'm trying to explain this to her. And she's getting frustrated, and so am I. And I said a horrible thing, and, and, and God forgive me, but I said this. I said, Mom, it's not that hard. She hung up on me. I was like, well, at least she knows where the hang-up button is. She knows that. I called her later and said, Mom, why'd you hang up? She goes, because you're, you, you're, getting, you're, you're getting so frustrated with me. And, and, and I was getting mad. I said, Mom, it's not that hard. She goes, it is if you don't know what you're doing. For some of us, we get a smartphone from just a regular phone. And we're like, I just want to call someone. <laughs> I just, I don't want to browse the internet. I don't want no apps on my phone. I don't want to play Angry Birds. I want to dial. Where's the numbers on this smartphone? This thing is dumb. <laughs> but you try to read the book or you go online and you have to read the instructions. You know how long you have to devote yourself to this thing? But for some reason, we devote ourselves to it, to learn it. I'd say how much more should we devote ourselves to a God who loves us unconditionally? See, formally, as, as Galatians 4, eight says, when you did not know God... You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. You know what the Bible is saying? Sometimes we devote ourselves to things that aren't even God. We devote our things to other things that, that rob us of time. It's not even God. But we devote ourselves. We become slaves to these things. And we're slaves to things that aren't even God. Yep, God is too big for us to comprehend. Too big for us to even describe, but not too big for us to get to know Him. And He does that through Jesus Christ. We know religion well, but we have yet to experience relationship. And some of us have. See, when you meet someone, you don't know everything about them. And sometimes you don't understand them at all. But over the years, you get to know them. It takes time to get to know someone. When Heidi and I would talk on the phone, you know, when we were teenagers, we would, I would hide under the pillow because I'm talking to her and like my mom is right there. So I'm talking to her and I'm, I'm whispering. I'm saying, hey, yeah, yeah, da, 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 talking to her. And then when I, I can hear my mom getting upset. <sighs> and then I hang up the phone and, and my mom, she goes, Sheldon, you're talking so soft. I can't even hear you. <laughs> I'm like, that's the whole point, mom. I want you to listen into my conversation. The whole idea is I don't need her to listen because I'm trying to get to know Heidi. So I'm devoting my time and my voice to her. And it's in, it's in those quiet moments that you get to know people. And it's the same with God. When we devote our time with Him, it sometimes takes those quiet moments just to get to know God. See, we devote ourselves to one another, but rarely do we devote our time in His Word and prayer. And then we wonder why we struggle in our marriages, or with our children, or with relationships, with our finances, or making wise decisions. And after a while, because we don't devote ourselves into getting to know God, we end up feeling like we're no good, and no good for anything. And we feel like we make the same mistakes over and over, and that nobody cares, and we're all alone. And we feel like we are good for nothing. We can't do anything right. And God is saying, that's not who you are. See, to the pure, as Titus 1.15 tells us, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. 
In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Yeah, we, we, we arrive at that place because we don't stay in the Word of God. The Word of God purifies us. So, how does the Bible and prayer help me with getting to know God and how does it help me with my actions? Well, here's how Hebrews 4.12 puts it. It says, For the Word of God is living and active. There's that word, active. It's, it helps with our actions. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Yeah, our heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can understand it? That's what the book of Jeremiah says. So in order for us to make the, the kinds of decisions that we need to make, in order for us to get to know God, then we're going to need something that guides our heart. And it's the Word of God. It judges the thoughts and intentions of our heart. We need that. We need a guide. You know, when you read the Bible, sometimes you don't understand it. I would say this, when you start reading the Bible, ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible, the Bible gives us a helper. God says, I'm going to give you a helper, a guide called the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your guide. It's almost like your personal tutor before you take an exam or a test. Imagine if you had that in high school. Imagine if you had someone, if, if we had a, a personal tutor standing right next to us that nobody could see. And then you'd say, okay, number one, it says this. So what is the answer? And your tutor gives you the answer. Many of us would have much higher grades. We would have had like 2.5, 3.0. I'm glad you caught that. We would have much better grades if we had someone right by our sides. And it's the same thing in life. When the Holy Spirit is our guide, we'll do much better. Even reading the Word. When you read the Word of God, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He will guide you. Because He's the guide unto all truth. See, that's one of the key ingredients for successful living. It's, it's how we get to know God. It's through His Word and as we pray to Him. Sometimes we can be in the Word and pray. And that's great. But God created us for relationships. He created us for one another. That we're not alone. It's not good for man to be alone. That's why we make relationship a priority, or we call it fellowship time here. And if you're writing notes, your last point is to make fellowship a priority. Make it a priority. Now, let me explain a little bit. When we first built this church, some of you may know this, but some of you may not. But when we first built this place, remember what we called this place? Do you know what it's called, this place? Not New Hope. I mean, it is called New Hope Hill Hawaii, but, but what do we call this place? The gathering place. The gathering place. I want to revive that. This is the gathering place. This is where God brings us all together to learn about Him. It gives us the vision that this place was built so that people could gather together. So that God's love would be shown as well as a place that we would be able to encourage one another. Ever since I stepped foot into this church, and I started when we were at the boys club, and I'm sure many of you would agree, the moment I stepped foot in this church... I've, I've only felt the love of God through every single person. I have only felt God's love. I've never felt judged. I've never felt condemned. I have felt judged by myself. 
I have condemned myself. And usually that's the biggest judge is ourself. That's the biggest judge. When I started to feel like I was being judged, I thought, wait a minute, these people don't know me. I know myself. And so I would judge myself more than anyone else. But it's because of the love of the people that I was okay with who God was making me to be. And it was through love that I got to know God. This is the gathering place where we could encourage one another. Hebrews 10.25, it tells us that. It says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. That's why I truly believe that church is not a place we go to. Church is something we are. We're the church. It's not the building. We gather here because it's all of us together. It's all about people and what God is doing through the hearts of people. We gather together, not so that we can have church. It's so that we can learn, learn together, learn scripture, learn about God and get to know God and and his one and only son, Jesus Christ. But not to stop there. It's so that when we leave the gathering place, we go out into the rest of the world and let everyone else know about Jesus Christ. It's the wisdom of God that He gives to us so that we understand that this is a place that we gather to learn more and more about Him. The wisdom of God is that we would be free from the foolishness of the world. See, the wisdom of the world will never get us to know God. It must be from His Word, and and His Word tells us not to neglect meeting together. And I thought, why does it say not to neglect meeting together? And I think this is it. I think because the Bible wants us to recognize that this is not a one-man show. It's not about a pastor. It's really about all of us focusing on Jesus Christ together. That this is a place we all gather together to hear about Jesus Christ, to learn about Jesus Christ, to focus on Jesus Christ, to get to know God. That it's all about a relationship with Him so that we understand that we're not alone, that we're learning together. It's all of us put together. I'm no different than anybody else, nor are you different than me. We are all, as the Bible says, sinners saved by grace. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't make me in with God. I used to think that. I used to think, oh, if I go to church, if I ask the pastor to pray, it would work. And it's great we can pray for one another, but I'm a sinner saved by grace, just like everybody else. And as we say, we all stand level at the foot of the cross. No one better than the other. But that's why we gather. We gather so that we can learn about God together. And we get to follow Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.21, it says, Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Yeah, by the foolishness of preaching. Not by foolish preaching. I pray we don't preach as a fool in the way of just giving out random thoughts but that we give out the Word of God. In fact, by the preaching of the cross of Christ, which was in that time regarded as foolish and absurd by the people in the world at that time, that's 
That's what God uses. Even though it may seem, seem foolish to people, it's the cross of Christ that God speaks to us about how we get back to Him. See, God's plan is wise, and even though many people in the days of Jesus believed in Him and, and God's plan of salvation, many, including the Greek philosophers, thought it offensively foolish and ridiculous. But, even till this day, for many people, they still think it's foolishness. See, fellowship brings the love of God to the surface of the murky waters that are in our lives. Fellowship helps us to grow in God, and God uses fellowship as a way for us to experience His love. That's what He uses. 1 John 4, 8, it says, He who does not love God, he who does not love, does not know God, for God is love. That's how we get to know God. That's why we do what we do here at this church. That's why people serve. That's why they're on stage. That's why they use their gifts for God. That's why people cook. That's why people serve. That's why they're in the, in the children's wing. That's why we have these facilities, why we have our nursery. It's all based on love. We want to take care of each other. It's based on God's love. And we can only love because God loved us first. And we all utilize our gifts so that God's love would be made known. In our denomination called Foursquare, there's a magazine that I get, and it's called Foursquare Leader. And you can actually subscribe to this, and you can go to foursquare.org and subscribe to this monthly newsletter. And it just talks about all the things that are happening in Foursquare. And uh, some months ago, they asked us to give them someone uh, that, that was in this bracket of maybe one of our seniors in our church that exemplified the love of God. And so some time ago, we prayed and we we're thinking, well, who could we? Because there's so many. There's so many wonderful people that serve here in our church, in our, in our seniors ministry, and, and, and those that give their all to God. But we had to narrow it down to one person. But I'm sure you'll agree with me that this person was a perfect candidate for our church, and her name is Helen Cooper. And so they write this article, just a short snippet about Helen Cooper. They say, Helen... 86, has been hosting a worship service and care group at New Hope Hilo, Hawaii since 1990. Additionally, she leads a group of seniors in Tai Chi, a martial art that relaxes the body and joints, which she started practicing only 18 years ago. The group, which is held at the Foursquare Church Helen attends, is open to anyone in the community. And I love this part. It says, Helen... is an excellent example of loving people through one's talents and interests according to those who know her best. And if you know Helen, you know God's love. God does that through every single one of you. He shows His love to people. That's how we get to know God. It's through His love. Well, what is love? 1 Corinthians explains it in this way. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. 
But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. You know what it tells me? We can gain all the knowledge in the world. We can have our spiritual language. We can do great things and serve and all of that. But if there's no love, all of that fades away. But you may not be the most gifted person. You may not, to be, you may not be able to do certain things that other people may be doing, but you love people. That's what God looks for. That's how we get to know God. It's through the love that we have for one another. When Jesus was with his, his disciples and he was about to go to the cross, he gathered them together. And this is what he did not do. He didn't gather them together and, and have the, the wine and the bread and say, Okay, I want you all to take a little bit of wine each into each cup and take, take bread, take bread here, take bread. Now I want you guys to go home. And I want you guys to remember me. Do it in the privacy of your own home. I want you to do that. I want you to remember me. You know what Jesus did? He had his disciples together. And he said, this is my body. And he broke the bread. He says, this is my body which has been broken for you. Every time you do this, remember me. He's talking about relationship. Every time you do this, don't forget me. Then he grabbed a cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant written in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. You know what he was teaching them? It was all about relationship. It's not a religion. It's about a relationship. Let's bow our heads together as we conclude and pray. Heavenly Father, the joy that you give to us is the kind of joy that, that is everlasting. Not just for a season, it's for for all of eternity. And so, Lord, as as we pray to you, I pray for those of us who have been in a relationship with you that we would continue to get to know you, that we would devote ourselves to your word and and prayer, and making fellowship a priority. Lord, there may be some this morning, they've never given their hearts to you. They've never built this relationship with you. So they don't know what it means for you to be their Lord and Savior. But at the same time, they know that they can't do this alone. That Maybe they've been trying and, and life is at a point where they understand that there is a God who loves them, that wants to embrace them and wants to help. And that may be you this morning. You may be saying, I I need God in my life, and I never knew that I could. And now you know how. I'm going to say the words. And and as I lead you in this prayer, you're going to give Jesus your heart. And at the same time, you're receiving the life that He has for you. In fact, we can all say these words. We can all pray this prayer. I'll say the words to lead us, but you just mean it with all your heart. Then here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean and make me brand new. I want to be the person that you created me to be. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again to give me eternal life. And so I thank you in Jesus' name. 
And with every head bowed and eyes closed, you may have just said that prayer for the very first time, and in doing so, you gave Jesus your heart. And now you have this relationship with your Creator, with God. And if that's you, and you just said that prayer for the very first time, I want to pray over you. Could you just lift a hand real quickly? I just want to pray for you. Good. God bless you. Anybody else? You just said that prayer for the first time. Gave Jesus your heart. Okay. Okay. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for those that said yes to you this morning. I pray that as they begin their relationship with you, that they will remember that it's not a religion. It's it's a relationship. It's building their relationship with you and getting to know you. And I pray that as they do, that they will see how great you are, that they will experience your love. You may be here this morning and and you're a Christian and you're saying, well, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time and I've known Him for a long time, but boy, I would love to get better in in my my time with Him and uh, devoting myself to, to His Word and prayer, doing devotions. And, and even the fellowship time and, and being with people or serving or I just want to be better for God. And you may be a Christian and you're saying, I've, I've learned a lot, but Lord, I just want to be better for you. And if that's you this morning, would you lift a hand? And re- in response, you're saying, Lord, I just want to be better for you. Good. A lot of us, you can put your hands down. Lord, our, our heart and our prayer this morning is that as we get to know you, we will develop this relationship to a point where it's not religion anymore. It's not, it's not something that pulls us away from you, but something that draws us to you. It's a, it's a relational part of our life. And so, Lord, I pray for your strength in all of us, that it would be something that helps us to move forward and continue to strengthen us in this relationship with you. I pray for those that maybe you're speaking to them about being water baptized today that they would take that step in you being their Lord. So we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Could we welcome those that said yes to Jesus?